Well, Jesus protested in the temple. According to Matthew, Mark and Luke, that was in that holy week, in that week leading up to his arrest. But John tells it in a rather different way. He places it much earlier in his gospel. And his focus is a little different too. So let's listen for how God can speak to us through John's account of the great protest. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get this out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remember that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words of Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God of new life, thank you for your word to us in scripture. Your living word in Jesus. May that word bring us hope and courage here and now. And may we put our trust in you and your love made known in Jesus Christ. Amen. I want us to reflect for a short time on that passage from John's Gospel, from chapter 2. And just saying chapter 2 reminds us that John has placed this story very early on 
in his account of Jesus. After the introduction, after the first sign of the changing of water into wine, here is Jesus in a Passover earlier than that last week to confront what he sees as wrong in the temple of Jerusalem. And so as, I, as we explore this together, I want us to hold on to five words. And just to make it easier for me, that all beginning with P. And the first is puzzle. Puzzle. Because there is something rather puzzling about how John is telling this story. Jesus didn't clear the temple twice. He didn't clear it at the beginning of his ministry and then in, the, in that final week. There was just one confrontation. But John has placed it so much earlier in his gospel. And part of us might say, well, that's wrong. It didn't happen like that. But it's not important. What is important is what John is trying to tell us by placing it there. He's saying that the whole gospel is changing our view of God. Changing our view from one where God has to be placated by animal sacrifice or by the exchange of money or any other good deeds to a view of God as one who so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's why Jesus drives out the animals and asks for the doves to be taken out and one hopes, released in John's telling of the story. Because sacrifice of that kind is over. Jesus is going to give his own life for the world. It's a puzzle, but then John's gospel is a puzzle. It is so different to the other gospel writers. And that's not something to worry about, but to be fascinated by. Puzzles can be immense uh, delight, especially when we start to put the pieces together and they all fit. And John is that kind of glorious puzzle that in many different ways tells us what trusting in Jesus now is all about. So enjoy the puzzle of John's Gospel, even if it sometimes makes our minds spin as we try to put all these different accounts together. The second P is pillars. We've talked about it already, and I am constantly aware in this building with its many pillars. Pillars that hold the roof up, that are essential but sometimes get in the way, especially if you're sitting in an awkward place or if you want to... Yes, the, the team back there is just behind a pillar. We could just move that pillar, Simon, couldn't we? Pillars 
play their part, but they also can get in the way. Jesus, the man, honoured the temple. He called it my father's house. It was of great uh, significance and emotional power to him. And yet he knew that the temple itself was not what God was about. Yes, it could be a way of bringing people closer to God, but it could also be used in poor ways. A house of prayer turned into a den of robbers. A house of God turned into a market. Ultimately, his followers were to learn that what they needed was not a building, but to believe and trust in Jesus as their risen Lord. They wouldn't see him after his death and resurrection, after those short um, appearances, but he would be with them and they would be able to pray through him. When John wrote, or the writer wrote John's Gospel, the temple had been destroyed tragically in the Jewish rebellion and the Roman uh, occupation. Rome had used its power and destroyed Jerusalem and its temple. And Jewish people of Jews and Jewish Christians were mourning and grieving the destruction of that building. But the writer of John would be saying, but hold on to Jesus. Hold on to your faith and trust in him. He will bring you the presence of God. He will be that way into the love and peace of God. God is spirit, Jesus said in John's Gospel. And those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Come to protest and perhaps I've spoken of protest sufficiently. But it was the zeal for God that brought Jesus into conflict with the authorities, with those whom he felt was, were distorting faith and religion. Religion, he says, is being sold. It's a marketplace. And God and his people are being sold short. The other Gospels emphasise this protest against injustice, against corruption. But for John, it's something even deeper. Jesus is protesting about the vision of God that the temple is now signifying. He's protesting against a religion that had turned sour. And that sourness would ultimately cost Jesus his life. Sometimes we need people to wake us up, to remind us that, well, have we got this right? Is our vision of God too narrow? Is our God too small? We need the protesters to speak out.
we need Jesus to turn us back to the living God. This, in a, in a sense, is a clash of power. My fourth word, power. By what authority are you doing these things? Show us a sign that you have the authority. And Jesus won't create some magic sign. He won't throw himself off the temple uh, courts to allow God to catch him or the angels. But there is a sign, John says. There is a sign. And it is the raising of Jesus, the resurrection. That will show, ultimately, that power rests and authority rests with this man of Galilee, the one who is rejected and killed outside the city walls. That power of Jesus is not a power over us, not a power to dominate and suppress us, but a power to liberate us and transform us. And so my final P word is prayer. Jesus had said in the other Gospels, this is a house of prayer for all nations, for all peoples. This is meant to bring everyone into the presence and the love of God. Ultimately, the building of the temple was not to do that, but Jesus himself enabled people to come to God as spirit in God's spirit of love. And so Jesus himself is the house of prayer. Jesus himself is the temple to which we can come assured that God listens to our heartaches and God listens to our cries for ourselves and for the world around us. The marketplace is cleared away and we can come as ourselves and meet God revealed in Jesus, the one who loved the world so much. Thanks be to God for his love beyond words made known in Jesus. And so let's come to that temple which is Jesus himself. And in the spirit, let us pray to our God. We'll keep a few moments of quiet and use the response, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. So I ask your prayers for the government, locally and nationally, with all the pressures on it at this time for wisdom and strength and guidance for our politicians in the face of the crucial decisions and heavy responsibilities, and for our royal family too. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. I ask your prayers for those speaking out against injustice and oppression, those involved in protest demonstrations in Myanmar, risking their lives for freedom and truth. Praying for their courage and hope, 
to sustain them amid all the danger. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. I ask your prayers for the church in all its diversity and for Christians across the world who face daily threats and persecutions. Remembering especially today the church in Iraq and the Middle East, the visit of the Pope and his safety, and for that dwindling number of Christians who feel so threatened. And I ask your prayers too for the church here in this area as we seek to witness to that amazing love of Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, I ask your prayers for the medical services here and across the globe as they deliver the vaccine and respond to who, people whose treatment has been delayed or is yet to be diagnosed. And for all in homes or hospitals today, all who are ill in body, mind or spirit, those who are lonely or distressed. Within our two church families, we pray especially for Marianne and John, concerned for her, and for Crystal, and others in the quietness of our hearts. that God's peace and healing power may surround them this day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer, offered in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. Amen.